please stand for the reading of God's word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. How are you all today? Good. Any anxiety? No? Okay, good. It's good to see you all. So we uh, took a break from our Philippian series through Easter week, and then we had Daniel Watts here last week, and now we're jumping back into this series, this letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi 2,000 years ago that is still so relevant today, as you will see this morning. And what I've been suggesting all along is that in this letter, Paul is painting a picture for us of what it means to live the Jesus life. What does life with Jesus look like? Life for Jesus, life in Jesus, a life living the Jesus life, following his example. We're getting these beautiful portraits of what the Jesus life looks like. And what I want to do over the next three weeks in this series is we're going to do a, sort of a mini series within the series where there's going to be a theme to the next three weeks. And, and there's a, this theme of these core heart postures that we are to take that are very practical in our day-to-day lives. There's a, a proverb that I want to be the, the overarching theme over the next three weeks that I think will make sense as you see these passages will be in. Uh, here's the pro- proverb. It'll be familiar to some of you, I would guess. And there it is. There it is. Thank you. Uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You ever heard that proverb before? Above all else, meaning this is really important, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Uh, It's a proverb about our hearts. And in, in the biblical mindset, the heart is not just a place of emotion like we think of today, but really the heart is, is the core of who we are. It's the inner person. It's, it's that place deep inside of us where our emotions come from, but also our thoughts, our attitudes, our assumptions, our motivations in life. It's really that place inside of us that really makes us who we are. And the author is saying, you want to guard that place in you. Why? Because that place in you, it is the wellspring of your life. And the image that he's running with is something like this. I I could envision seeing something like this in ancient Israel, saying that the heart is like a wellspring. It's like the source of a well or maybe the source of a river, right? So you've got this underground source, and then there's this water coming from it that is becoming this little brook, and that brook may become a spring as it, you know, a river as it goes downhill. 
Um, so that's, that's the image that's being conveyed. And, and different translations translate this differently. Some will say, guard your heart, uh, for from it flow the springs of life. Or I think a really good translation is, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. And talking about the Jesus life, Jesus constantly was talking about the heart, trying to move us just beyond uh, our appearances, beyond outward action to the heart and saying, you know, the heart is really so important. Everything you do flows from who you are in the core. And so as you think about this image, I I just want us to ask ourselves in in light of that, if that's true, is there really anything much more important than, than that, our hearts, if that's where our lives flow from? Is there anything more valuable than our own hearts in our lives. I mean, we tend to focus on our outward circumstances, our outward appearances, but man, we bring our hearts to every circumstance. We go, we can't escape our hearts. And so what an important and valuable thing. And so the command is, in light of that, what are we to do with our hearts? This is called dead air, folks. Guard our hearts, <laughs> right? Um, we are to guard our hearts in the sense that we are to watch over them. Uh, we are to be mindful. We're to cultivate a kind of heart um, that is what God would want. And really, the, the idea in the Jesus life, the ideal is that, that in that deep place, what is there? Well, Jesus is there. This deep abiding relationship with Jesus, that's what's in our hearts. And Paul prays for that for a lot of the churches. Uh, Ephesians says, I, I pray that, that God would strengthen you in your inner person, right, that core, so that what? So that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's what we want. We want this, this relationship with Jesus deep inside where we experience his love and his forgiveness and his joy and his peace and his freedom. But of course, we know in reality that our hearts are not always that way. And that it's a murky place. There's all sorts of other things that we experience. Fear and anxiety, uh, guilt and shame, impurity, selfishness, jealousy, right? All of these, all of these different anxieties. So th- this, this next month, we're going to talk about what does it mean to keep watch over our hearts? What are the things that threaten our hearts? And then how do we keep watch over them? How do we cultivate and train our hearts so that Jesus really is an abiding presence in our hearts. Today, we're going to tackle this issue of anxiety, uh, this, this threat to our hearts, and this call that Paul gives us in terms of how do we navigate anxiety in our hearts? How do we experience God's peace in our hearts? So we'll talk about anxiety today. I'm going to focus in on verses 6 and 7 of this passage today. Next week, we'll focus in on verses 8 and 9. So uh, let's talk about anxiety for a second before we see what Paul says. How do we deal with anxiety? Um, My assumption is that everyone in this room encounters anxiety from time to time. I think that's uh, uh, fair to say. Uh, Some of us in this room uh, dabble in anxiety. Um, Some of us in this room are professional warriors. It's what we do best, right? It's it's as natural as the air we breathe, right? Uh, And I'm guessing that right now, that you have some level of anxiety that you could probably attach to some circumstance in your life, whatever's going on in your life right now. So for some of you, um, uh, your job right now is a source of anxiety. Uh, For some of us, our our kids are a source of anxiety. For some of us, our parents are a source of anxiety. Some of us, our marriage is a source of anxiety. Uh, Some of us, our health or maybe someone else's health is 
causing some anxiety. For some of us, finances, financial issues are causing anxiety. Some of us, social interactions are, are a source. But I want you to just, before I go on, just take a minute to identify what is a current circumstantial source of anxiety for you. Where, your, your anxiety is attaching itself to something right now. What is that? And just kind of name that in your mind for a mo- moment. You got something? If you don't, God bless you. Just God bless you. Um, I, I would guess that um, if we were to look at the course of our lives, each one of us, we could probably identify, like, there's probably like two or three core issues that trigger anxiety. And they can show up in a variety of circumstances. Sometimes they show up in our jobs. Sometimes they show up over here. But my guess is, like, I've got, like, two or th- my two or three go-tos. These are the ones that get to me. For some, it's, you know, like fear, fear of failure. That whenever, like, potential failure, that, man, whatever context, fear of failure triggers it. Some of us, it's conflict. Um, some of us, it's um, safety. Some of us, it's when we feel out of control. Some of us, it's, um, it could be any, any number of things. You, you know, maybe it's, it's when we don't feel loved or when we don't feel um, extraordinary. All of a sudden, we feel ordinary, and that triggers anxiety. There's all sorts of things that might be. Um, but I'm guessing that you could look back. Yeah, I've got like my two or three. Those issues, wherever they pop up, that's when I feel it. And I think it's also helpful just to acknowledge that we're living in a culture of anxiety today. Would you agree? I think we live in a culture that uh, has a lot of hearts that are restless, that are anxious. I think our pace of life is not helping that. We live very hurried, very busy lives. I think having constant access to world news does not particularly facilitate peace in the heart. Um, I think constant access to social media, comparing our lives to other people's lives, doesn't really uh, engender peace most of the time. Living where we do in Orange County, there's these added expectations of a certain standard of living and the, and the lives we have to live to try to live up to that. That creates extra anxiety. I think our kids probably feel an extra pressure of anxiety to perform at really high levels academically, um, athletically. So all sorts of reasons. But we are living in a, in a culture uh, of anxiety and restlessness. What proves very elusive to many people is what Paul talks about in verse 7, the peace of God. That, that is a hard thing for people to find. And as, uh, just to go back for a second to the proverb, to guard you, that idea of guarding your heart, anxiety is a threat to the heart. It is one of these enemies that comes in and, and threatens the heart. And I was thinking this week, what, what happens to the heart in anxiety? What does anxiety do to the heart? Because we're going to want to cultivate, we're going to keep watch of our hearts. And I had two really obvious ones. Um, one thing that, that anxiety does, in anxiety, the heart... Now, this is kind of obvious, but anxiety, the heart gets heavy, right? The heart feels weighed down in anxiety. There's another proverb that says that. Anxiety weighs down the heart, right? When, when, you're, when you're anxious, you, you feel this weight that you carry. And, and oftentimes, you feel it physically, too. Your body tells you, right? You feel this, your shoulders get tighter and, and your chest is constricted. Your breathing is shallower. Your, your stomach is, you know, kind of knotted, you know, you get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort, to name a couple that I've experienced in my life. <laughs> what anxiety does, it's this weight, 
you feel in your body. But what anxiety is it robs the heart of freedom and it robs the heart of joy because the heart is weighed down. So that's one thing anxiety does. And the other thing I think that happens in anxiety is the heart doesn't just get heavier, but the heart actually gets smaller in anxiety. And what I mean by that is in anxiety, the heart turns inward on itself and the mind turns inward. You, you, you become self-focused and, and self-absorbed. You, you no longer see the big picture, right? You don't see the world around you. You're caught up in this thing that is churning in your heart and mind. And the way I think of it personally, you'll kind of get as we go, you'll pick up that I struggle with anxiety if you haven't already, um, is I experience like it's a sunny day and, and anxiety, it's then the fog just kind of descends, the anxiety fog. And you just, things get smaller and, and more claustrophobic. And so what happens in anxiety is the heart is not as free actually to love others. It's not as free to look beyond the self, to look at someone else and say, what is it that you need in this moment? How can I be genuinely free and available to do what would be good for you? Because the heart is caught up in its own wrestling with itself. So we, we wrestle with this. We can see what anxiety does. Let's now look at what Paul has to say. Paul has some great words of wisdom in this passage. Um, some great, a, a great antidote to anxiety. So let's walk through it. I'm going to focus in on verse six and seven, like I said, but first there, there's something that Paul says in verse five, right at the end of verse five, that is so important. Take a look at your Bibles. The last uh, phrase in verse five, he says this, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Okay. This is the fundamental reality that is to shape our daily lives. The Lord is near. And he either means by that phrase, Jesus, the Lord, his coming is near. Like, you know what? Jesus is going to return. It could happen anytime. Meaning one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to set everything right. Everything will be made right. Everything will be restored. It's going to happen. He either means that, which is true, or he just means the Lord is near me. God, God is not off somewhere out there distant. God is an ever-present reality with you. He's near you. He's walking with you, and he's available to you moment by moment as your king, as your God, as your friend, as your counselor. He's near. He, he might mean either, or he might mean both of those. Both of those are true. And so when it comes to anxiety, that's the, the reality that we need to be reminded of. The Lord is near. And we need to be reminded of who this Lord is. Okay? And there's two things I think we particularly need to be reminded of. The first is this. Look at verse 7. We're going to come back to this in a, in a second. But verse 7 starts with, and the peace of God. Okay, that phrase, the peace of God that will guard you. What does that mean, the peace of God? Well, at least it means this. The peace that God himself has. Meaning the first thing we need to know about the Lord is that God is himself a God of peace. He is at peace. He is in perfect control. Okay, when we see God, images of God in scripture in heaven, you never see God in heaven like biting his nails or wringing his hands or pacing back and forth trying to figure out what am I gonna do about what just happened. Okay, he is always peaceful. He is always at peace. That's who he is. And that's a, that's a huge thing to be reminded of, that when I'm, I'm thinking through something, I'm anxious and I'm worried about something, but God is here. And what I need to remind of is however I feel, God is actually not anxious about this at all. He is at perfect peace. He is not worried about the thing that I'm worried about. Well, that's a good thing to be reminded of. So he is a God of peace. 
And then secondly, what we heard from Matthew 6 that Scott read, Jesus' word in the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, God is a God who loves us. Right? He, he loves his children. I love that passage. Don't worry about your life, right? Your heavenly father knows you need these things. He loves to provide good things for his kids. Look at the birds. They don't have to store and yet, you know, they're fed. Look at the, look at the flowers. They don't spin. They don't work hard. And yet God clothes them in beautiful ways. You're worth so much more to God than those creatures. You're his children. God loves you. He knows what you need before you ask. And he is more than available to provide good things for his children. So the Lord is near and he himself is peaceful and he loves you. And he longs to provide you with the things that you need for life. So that's the fundamental reality. The Lord is near. And then I think all the, all the commands flow from that. Let me just show you. Verse 4, the Lord is near. So rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Whatever you're going through, you can rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The meaning there, I think, is um, when you're going through hard things, have a posture of being willing to bear hard things. You don't have to strike back at people. You don't have to demand your rights all the time because God's near. He's going to set everything right. You can, you can walk through things and take some, some hard hits and keep going. And then we get to our verse in verse 6. So here's what, where I want to focus this. The Lord is near. So let's look at what Paul says to do with anxiety. Okay, ready? Verse 6, therefore... Do not be anxious about anything. Thanks, Paul. Solved my problem. (laughs) Don't be anxious. Stop worrying. Uh, I was really struck this week about that phrase there, uh, about anything. (laughs) Really? About anything? Don't be anxious about anything. I think most of us, you know, divide our life circumstances into two categories, right? You have, there are things worth worrying about and there are things not worth worrying about, right? I lost a $5 bill today. Not worth worrying about. Lost my job today. Worth worrying about, right? There's two ca- categories. Worth worrying about, worth, not worth worrying about. And Paul is saying, this is crazy. He's saying, actually, you, you actually don't need those categories. There, there's only one category, things not worth worrying about. And, and he's not saying there aren't things to be concerned about that you shouldn't care about. But I think he's saying the kind of anxiety that I'm thinking of is actually never helpful. It is never a a productive posture for you. doesn't matter what the thing is. The kind of worrying I'm thinking about will never be helpful for you. And I don't know if you picked up uh, when Scott was reading the Sermon, Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus inserts that little question. It's kind of a little, it's a great little practical question. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's he saying? By the way, worrying actually does you no good. It is actually utterly unproductive and unhelpful for you. I have a friend who puts it this way. He says, anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, uh, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And I was like, that's actually kind of what anxiety feels like, right? I'm just kind of rocking back and forth, but I'm not, I'm not, it's not taking me anywhere. So he says, you don't need that category. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. Okay, what, what should we do? Well, Paul then goes on. Here's what we do. He gives us an alternative to anxiety, which is his antidote, I would say, to anxiety. What is the positive command? Verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. What should we do? Here it is. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What is the answer to anxiety? What's Paul's answer? In a word, it is prayer. Do not be anxious, but pray. 
And Paul gives us like three different words for prayer, right? In prayer, petition, present your requests. The idea is take this thing that is weighing you down, take this thing that you're focused on, and and take it to God and hand it to him in prayer. That is the antidote. That's the discipline. That's the habit of the heart that Paul is encouraging us to cultivate. And I was thinking about that. I mean, you've heard that before, of course. This is not new. But I was thinking even the very act of praying, by definition, is counteracting the anxiety. Because think about it. In anxiety, we say, what happens? The heart gets small in anxiety. Well, when I turn to God in prayer, by definition, all of a sudden, my, my world is expanding in the act of prayer. All of a sudden, I'm inviting God into this. I'm being reminded that there is a God who is so much bigger than this thing that I'm working through. I'm being reminded that he actually is in control. He is himself at perfect peace. And in the very act of praying, my world is in that moment actually becoming bigger again. I'm looking through the fog, looking to the sun again. Not that the feeling goes away, but my world is is expanding by definition when I invite God in and put my eyes and my focus on him in prayer. And then the other thing is happening, as we said, the heart gets heavy. Well, prayer by definition is trying to take a weight and say, God, I am, I'm going to lift this weight to you. I can't carry this thing. Maybe you never intended for me to carry this the way I'm carrying it. So I'm going to take it and offer it to you. Okay. First Peter says, he uses the phrase, cast your cares on the Lord, right? Cast your anxieties on the Lord because he, he cares for you. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's like, take this weight that you're feeling, literally throw it to God. Say, I, I can't carry this weight. I need you to do that. And in the very process of praying then, our hearts are getting bigger. Our hearts are getting lighter again. So prayer is, by definition, intentionally shifting the focus from this inward thing to, the, to focusing on God, intentionally taking this weight and trying to offload it, if I can use that word, onto God where it belongs. Prayer is his antidote. And then you probably noticed um, there's that great little phrase that Paul inserts right in the middle of that prayer, right? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. Yes, with thanksgiving, with gratitude. And I think that little phrase is so key to anxiety. And, and Daniel Watts, I thought, did a great job last week of talking about thankfulness and gratitude. So I'm not going to spend uh, much time today talking about that. But, but my own experience uh, is that gratitude is, is, is one of the great antidotes to anxiety. That for me, it's like, my experience, it's like there's this little place in my heart. There's a box in my heart where, um, where either anxiety can fit or where gratitude can fit. And they don't really fit together. And so if I'm feeling anxious, rather than trying to get the anxiousness out, one of the best things I can do is just start trying to fill that place with gratitude. Step back. What are all the good things that are happening in my life right now? What can I give thanks God for? Uh, give God thanks for? All right, so that's, that's the posture. That's, that's the discipline, the habit of the heart that he's inviting, in, inviting us into. Okay, so what does this actually look like? I mean, day to day, what does this look like? Let, let me just like walk you through three minutes of what I think uh, what this looks like. And I'm not saying anything uh, particularly interesting right now. But let's, ta- let's, take, um, let's take two issues. Let's take a financial issue. I'm sure at some point most of us have had a financial issue cause anxiety. Um, 
you need a deal to go through. You're, you're trying to figure out how to pay your mortgage. You're uh, trying to get your kids through college, wh- whatever it is, okay? So you're driving uh, in the car, and you're just hit with that wave of anxiety. Sounds nice. His, his accent's much better than mine. <laughs> All right, you're driving the car. You're hit with that. That wave of anxiety hits you. What does this look like? I think it's as simple as this. God, here it is. Here's my anxiety. And, and you know what? I want to I wanna turn my thoughts over to you right now. I want to take this burden. I want to bring it to you right, new, right now. Lord, gratitude. Lord, thank you. <laughs> Lord, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that you love me. Lord, thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I have food every time I need it. Thank you that I have clothes. My kids have clothes. Thank you that you've always provided for me. Thank you that this financial issue forces me to go to you in prayer. All, this, all these things I can thank for. Thankful. Thank you that even no matter how this turns out, I'm so rich in you. I have so many good things in you. And now, Lord, I offer this to you. Lord, I need you to intervene. Lord, would you give me wisdom? to know what decisions I need to make? Um, Would you give me discernment? Would you give me courage? Lord, would you help this deal to go through? Lord, uh, would you bring a source of income that we can't currently see? Lord, will you show us what we need to do financially to make this work? Lord, I trust you. Thank you. Amen. Right? Not rocket science. Maybe it's your kids. Um, Kids are causing anxiety. There's, There's health issues with your kids. Your kids going sideways, your kid's just going through high school, I mean, so many things, right? You're laying in bed at night, thinking about your kids, and you're hit with that wave of anxiety. (sighs) Lord, there it is again. Lord, I I just want to entrust my child to you. I want to turn these thoughts over to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this kid. Thank you that you love my child more than I love my child. Thank you that you know my child more than I know my child. Lord, we need your help. Would you give us wisdom on how to love our kid well, how to guide our, our kid well? Would you bring positive influences into life? Would you bring the doctors that, that, that they need? Would you, would you provide a set of circumstances that would be so beneficial and good for my child? Lord, I, I offer this to you. Amen. I think it's something like that. It's a habit of the heart. It's a discipline. It's a practice of our hearts. We just take these things to the Lord in prayer with gratitude. That's the call. And then the call comes with a beautiful promise in verse 7. Take a look at verse 7. Here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I really wish he would have said, and God will grant you all your requests. (laughs) But he promises this beautiful thing, the peace of God which I already said, is, is the peace that God himself possesses, that God himself always lives in, that peace he can make available to you. And the word he says is what? The, that peace will do what? It will guard, right? It will guard your hearts and your minds. Uh, probably a, a more literal uh, translation would be, it will stand guard around your hearts. It's a military metaphor that, that Paul is using. It's, it was used of like a detachment of soldiers that would go and surround a city and guard the city. So I found this amazing drawing online that actually is exactly what Paul is saying. This is exactly the image 
that Paul is, is offering to his first century, right? You've got, I like the watchdog on the far left and the, you've got these little guys, you've got your heart in the middle. Um, not good, uh, you know, whatever. But it's actually, it, this is exactly the image that, that Paul is giving. The peace of God will stand guard for your heart. We need a brain in there too and your mind, right? And, and it's, real, it's what we all want. This is what we want, these hearts that are valuable and precious. We want God's peace to guard us. And you notice that little, that little uh, phrase that Paul slips in there, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. And I'm not sure what Paul means by that. He might mean God's peace is so much more effective than the, the mental things you try to do to get yourself out of your anxiety. His peace can do, it, it's so much superior to that. He might mean that. Or he might mean God's peace can come in and, and stand guard in ways that are kind of beyond your understanding. Where you're like, I, I shouldn't be feeling peaceful right now in light of what I'm going through. And yet, man, God is protecting me. He's bringing peace. I, I can't even totally explain it. And yet he is, he is doing it. It transcends understanding. Either way, it, it is what, this is what we want. This is what we want in life. And that's the promise that Paul offers as we take on this habit of the heart. All right. So in this mini series on guarding our hearts, we're talking about anxiety and how we pursue a habit of the heart in which God then brings his peace that guards us. I thought I'd close um, by addressing those of you who, who particularly struggle with anxiety. As a, as a fellow journeyer on the anxiety road, uh, I want to just offer a, an encouragement uh, slash challenge, especially if you identify as being an anxious person. And the encouragement is this. Verse 6 and 7, clearly verse 6 gives us our role in this, right? And then um, verse 7 gives God's role. Our role is to practice gratitude and to hand over these things to God in prayer. That's our role. God's role is to have his peace guard our hearts and minds. And my encouragement to you is this, is to remind yourself that your job is not to get peace, okay? That's not your job. Your job is to go to God in prayer. That's your job. And I think that distinction is actually very important. And I'll just speak personally. For years in my journey with anxiety, I wanted peace. I, I was trying to go after peace. I actually wasn't going after God. I was going after peace. And the reason was that peace was my felt need. I, I felt, I was like, I hate this feeling of anxiety. I hate what anxiety feels like. What I want, I want a peaceful feeling. And so I'm going to go to prayer. And maybe if I go to prayer, God will give me that peaceful feeling. But it was almost like prayer is magic. Like, um, you know, sort of the magical prayer peace pill. Um, where uh, sort of a vending machine God kind of situation, right? I put the quarter in, I get the candy bar, right? I do the prayer of God, you give me the peaceful feeling. And, and what I've learned over time, I think, is that that's not my role, that, that faithfulness in this, faithfulness does not, it is not about feeling peace, which is actually out of my control. Faithfulness is about engaging in a process where I go to God in prayer and gratitude, and offer these things, and entrust myself to him, remind myself of who he is, ask him to do the things for me that I can't do for myself. I can't actually produce the peace, and I'm not being asked to produce the peace. What I can do is engage in a faithful process of going to God in prayer. 
And so the kind of peace that I think we're invited into is what I would call a hard-fought peace. Again, it's not the magical peace pill that we can just take whenever we want. It is a hard-fought peace, meaning it is about a, a, a discipline, a practice, a habit of the heart that we pursue over time. And I was thinking, you know, we just walked through Good Friday a couple weeks ago, and we saw Jesus in Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You cannot read that passage without concluding that man was experiencing anxiety in that moment. He was experiencing fear and anxiety. But what I think he won in the garden was a hard-fought peace, right? Father, I don't want to do this. Take this cup away from me. He comes back minutes later. Father, if I have to drink the cup, not my will, but your will. But he wrestled with God. He went to God, and I think he emerged from the garden having won a hard-fought peace. Paul himself is writing this letter Right? He's not writing this sipping Mai Tais in Hawaii, right? He's writing this from where? He's in prison, right? He's awaiting his trial. I guarantee you anxious feelings emerged in him in that time in prison. But I think he won a hard-fought peace where he said, I am rejoicing even in prison. I engage, I commit these things to the Lord. And so I think that's what we're called to. It's a daily training of our hearts and minds, going to God in prayer and gratitude, whether we get the feeling or not. And so my kind of practical challenge and invitation to you this week would be this. Let the feeling, that anxious feeling, let that be the trigger for you that initiates a process that you go through with God. Let that feeling of anxiety, that's my cue, that's my trigger, that initiates this process. Every time I feel that thing, what I do is I go to God, I think about the things that I'm thankful for, I offer these things to God, I remind myself of who he is, and that feeling every time triggers a process, a discipline, a habit of going to God in prayer and gratitude. So if I feel that feeling a hundred times this week, then I will go through that process of prayer and gratitude a hundred times this week. And I think if we approach it that way, then here's the beauty is what we can say in the end is we can look at anxiety, which we experience as this great enemy, and we can look at anxiety in the face and say, you know what? Either way, you lose with me. Because if you don't come on me, if you don't give me that anxious feeling, well, I win. I'm at peace there. But if you want to kind of attack me with that feeling, guess what? Every time that feeling, what it does, it just leans me into God. It pushes me to gratitude in God. So either way, you lose. That is, I think, a hard fought peace, a discipline over time where we say, you know what? I'm engaged in a process where slowly I am beginning to experience the peace of God in more consistent and regular ways in my life. It may not change tomorrow, but three years from now, I can look back and say, I'm honestly experiencing God's peace more than I did three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I think that's, that's the invitation. That's the challenge. So let's do that. And we're going to actually do that right now. We're going to take some time to actually practice together going to God in prayer. So if you would uh, bow with me. And I'm going to have Christina come back up. And she's, she's actually going to lead us through a time of prayer. And um, what we're going to do, we're just going to start with the very personal, the thing that you've already identified, what is personally weighing on us. And then we'll just kind of start from there and then expand it to our our larger church community, uh, our larger neighborhood and community, and even our nation and world. So we're just going to walk through um, taking our anxieties and our cares and, and lifting them up 
to God and, and presenting them to him, as Paul says. So I'll let Christina take it away from here. Let's do just that. Let's pray. What has God stirred in your heart this morning? What is weighing you down? Are you or the people you care about fearing failure or conflict? Is there need, sorrow, sickness? What is one thing you want to lay before God right now? Father, help us see you in this. Reveal your heart to us. Let us find freedom, joy, and hope in you. Help us know you are near and in control and that you love us. Let gratitude invade our hearts in this area. As we think about our church What are the needs that you see in our church body? Consider our church leadership, various relationships, ways we might even be misguided. Is there sin that needs to be brought to light? Is there one of those things that you want to lay before God right now? Let's do that. Father, grow our love for you and one another in this community. Deepen our love for your word and help us make it the authority of our lives. And we ask your spirit to move here. As we consider our communities, your neighborhood, your schools, your work, what are the needs that surround you? Who are the neighbors or co-workers that God wants to place on your heart? Who are the people that might feel marginalized? I invite you to lay one of those things before God right now. Father, help us to see the needs around us. Give us eyes to see what you see and move in our hearts to be your hands and your feet. As we think about our nation and our world, what are the issues most pressing on you that elicit concern or fear in you? Consider those who are facing injustice, violence, and evil. Consider the Christians that are facing persecution. 
Let's lay these concerns before God. Father, we want to see your gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And we ask that your leaders be instruments of your freedom and justice and peace. Lord, we pray all of these things, asking you to hear us, asking you to move in and through us. Amen. has quaked before moved by the sound of his voice seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken on my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. And wins 
trust you. We trust you in this place. It is well because you are who you say you are. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. When worry finds me. In the middle of the fight, when strength is gone, in the middle of the fire, when fear is closing in, you are, you are my song, and you're my hope when hope is gone. Sing in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, when worry finds me. In the middle of the fire, when strength is gone, in the middle of the fire, when fear is closing in, you are, you are my song, and you're my hope when hope is gone, so I 
This week, may the God of peace be with you, and may the peace of God, which transcends understanding, may it guard your hearts and minds and keep you in Christ Jesus. All God's children said, amen. Amen. Go in God's grace, go in God's peace.